Morning, everybody. As these days, we are discussing all the prophets from the Old Testament. Today, we would be discussing on Micah. Before we start, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Ghost reaches out to each and every one that listens to this message, Father. Father, in Hebrews 4.12, you have said, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So, Father, I pray that let the Holy Spirit address to whatever needs to be addressed to anyone hearing this message. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So yes, we would start by answering the five questions so that one can understand what each prophet said as well as compare it. So the first one being, who was this prophet? Micah was written between 735 and 700 BC. Micah was a prophet from the small town of Morshed. Chapter 1 tells us that Micah was a prophet from small town of Morshed during the reign of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Micah gave a message of judgment to the cities of Samaria, Gath, Shapir, Rashis, Abdullam, and Jerusalem, and hope to all those who were oppressed. Next question we have is, what did he have to say? Chapter 2 tells us, that the wealthy leaders and prophets were through theft and greed, exploiting the poor. They were who conceive wickedness, devise evil on their beds, covet fields and houses and take them, defraud a man of his house and inheritance. We can see this as it is addressed in Micah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Therefore, the Lord said, I'm planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourself. You will no longer walk proudly for it will be a time of calamity. The next question we have is why did he need to say it? Chapter 3 tells us that there was a disaster coming as there was violation of principles laid in the Torah. 
leaders judge for a bribe, priests teach for a price, and prophets practice divination for money. So Zion will be plowed like a field and Jerusalem will be molds of ruin. As we see in chapter three of Micah, verses 11 and 12, it says here, her judges judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they took, yet they look for the Lord's support and say, is it is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. This brings us to question four. Was there any word of future hope in this message? Chapters four and five tells us there was hope after the judgment and there would be peace on earth. God would not only restore the nations, his kingdom would confront evil and bless the nations. The following two verses tells us about the birthplace of Jesus and his coming. So we see in Micah chapter 4 verse 8, it says, As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to the daughter of daughter Jerusalem. And Micah 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the of old from ancient times. Now, if we see in verse, verse 4, 8 over here, it says, Watchtower of the flock. In Hebrew, the phrase, O tower of the flock, translates to Midgal Adair. The word Midgal means tower, and Adair means flock or herd. Midgal Adair was a two-story tower. Shepherds would watch over the flocks by night from the top of the tower. They would stand watch to make sure there were no enemies or wild animals coming in. The lower story, the birthing center, was where shepherds would bring the eaves to give birth. That was the specific tower, Midgaladair, that prophet Micah referenced. After the lambs were born, shepherds would immediately wrap them in swaddling clothes to prevent them from thrashing around and hurting themselves. The shepherds 
couldn't risk them being blemished or damaged because they were born to be a sacrifice. They would wrap the newborn lambs in swaddling clothes and lay them in a stone that had been hewn out the manger. Then the priest would come and inspect each lamb to make sure it met the full requirement of being pure and spotless. Are you getting a picture of Jesus as the final sacrificial lamb? He too was born to die as a sacrifice for us. He too was a firstborn son who was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Now we come to the fifth question. Why is this important for us today? A is think about how the words of God dominated events surrounding the birth of Jesus, for instance. Think about how the prophet Micah said centuries before it happened that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Those words dominated nations and kings for 750 years. They opened the door for the Holy Spirit to move on Caesar so that at just the right time he decided it was a good idea to send everyone in Israel home to pay their taxes. As a result, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. And secondly, is this verse in Micah chapter 7 verse 8, where it says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Friends, make your declaration. If you have fallen, join the club. Maybe you have fallen from your faith, fallen from your confidence in God, fallen from your marriage, fallen out with your kids, fallen out with other people in the kingdom. Maybe you've gotten distracted by your own fears or your past. Maybe it is the present conditions or inadequacies rising up. Or maybe you have just defaulted back to things from your old life that don't seem to want to let go. Whatever the fall, looks like for you, I'm here to declare to you that you are still in the net. It is time to rise up and declare like Micah 7-8. It is your time to soar with confidence. Well, we see that in Proverbs 24-16, it says, for though the righteous fall, seven times they rise again but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes friends sadly in the body of christ 
many give up too quickly. I believe they do so for one of three reasons. First is the absence of a deep conviction of the reality that God will fulfill his promises. You can find confirmation of this in several other verses of scripture, including in Titus chapter 1 verse 2, it says, in the hope of eternal life, which God does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. In Hebrews 6 verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Psalm 89.34 I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. And lastly, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The second reason why people quit is because they are not willing to wait. Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36 tell us, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Ephesians 6 verses 13 and 14 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place the last the third third reason i believe people quit is because they don't spend enough time in fellowship with God and his word. Acts 20 verse 32 says, Now I come, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Psalm 112 verse 6 to 8, Surely the righteous will never be shaken, they will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast and trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear in the end. They will look in triumph on their foes. So, church, a question now. Are we ready to be co-laborers with God? to hear what he says, to do what he asks us to do, and spend time in his word. Are we 
receiving the hundredfold return he promised in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. I would encourage all of you to join a Bible study group which helps you grow in faith and also develops fellowship with other people from the church. So with this, we close. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again that you've been with us all through and the Holy Spirit is working in passing out what needs to be passed. I thank you again for this online ministry and for all that is happening in this church as well as the usage of the church for the vaccination purposes. And all this for your glory in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.